Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getty Show. Jack is off today, and by off, I mean off. Feeling a bit off. Some sort of intestinal disease. What are you going to do? Stay home, which is fine. Positive Sean has come up with an excellent tape from CNN, of all places, that is in contrast to a lot of the coverage of Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State's meeting with the uh, Saudi heavyweights the other day. In which they uh, they smiled and they posed for pictures, It's uh, which they usually do. And there was some hue and cry. They look at him. He's they're, they're cozying up to him. They're not doing anything. What are we doing? Do we let uh, journalists be abducted and chopped up? But of course, and this is so obvious, but cable news exists to whip you up. The real wheeling and dealing is done when the cameras are off. And this is, uh, whoops, I misplaced my sound sheet. This is CNN's Jamie Gangle. If they ever give her a show, it's got to be the Gangle Angle, right? I would DVR that every day. I, how could you not? Uh, this is Jamie Gangle of CNN about what happened after the cameras went off from her sources. I'm told that what followed when those cameras were off was a blunt, direct message from Secretary of State Pompeo to the Crown Prince, MBS, and that Pompeo warned the Crown Prince 
that uh, every fact about what happened is going to come out and that he has to, quote, own the situation, take responsibility, and that Pompeo also told him in no uncertain terms that the Saudis had better get their investigation done very quickly, and Pompeo stressed that they have to deal with the people involved, and the quote was that they have to deal with them sharply. And finally, that the Secretary of State went on to tell the Crown Prince that if the Saudis don't take action, the U.S. will have to deal with this, that the President's hand will be forced because the world will demand it. As you just said, Don, the world is watching. Oh, did you dupe me into playing tape from Don Lemon's show? I tried to cut him out as much of it as I could. Bastard. I, I thought that report was good. Don Lemon is a knucklehead. Can I hear Trump number one and two, please? We've asked for it, if it exists. No, uh, I'm not sure yet that it exists. Probably does, possibly does. Uh, I'll have a full report on that from Mike when he comes back. They're an important ally, but I want to find out what happened, where is the fault, and we will probably know that by the end of the week. But Mike Pompeo is coming back. We're going to have a long talk couple of interesting angles there. We, our people, still have not seen the Turkish evidence that they keep claiming in various, you know, government newspapers they have, uh, you know, audio tapes and videotapes and the rest of it. It's entirely possible none of that stuff exists. Um, And then the second half, if the, uh, granted, we're talking about Donald J. Trump, who says all sorts of crap all the time, but he was in his business mode there. And saying we'll probably know what happened by the end of the week means Mike Pompeo conveyed to the Saudis, get this done by the end of the week. Um, So, we'll see. Again, I'm a little surprised. I get that the world is watching and it's become a cause celeb, but the day Mr. Khashoggi disappeared and presumably croaked it, or had croakishness imposed upon him... uh, there were probably 5,000 people killed for political purposes in the Middle East. Maybe 50,000, depending how many bombings there were in Yemen and Syria and how many battles and how many... I mean, if you include Afghanistan, um, there was a, a, an attack on uh, police stations, I think, last week. Um, Iraq. I just, I'm a little mystified. There seems to be certainly a... a, a bit of kind of a industry skewing of this right like if, oh, sure. if, if i worked in the soda industry <laughs> and there was a giant disaster at a soda factory a couple right. states over yes that's probably going to be a big topic of conversation around the rest of my mm-hmm. co-workers who all yeah. work in the soda industry well and the i would journalists argue... just covering the journalist aspect of this just i think right. gives it a higher right we uh i think we all benefit from open i don't think it i know it we all benefit from from journalism and, and transparency and that sort of thing so uh, any thinking human being should be against journalists being snatched up and killed. Vladimir Putin, I'm looking at you. Um, but I think most of this is it's like the missing hot girl syndrome. There's a mystery. Right, right. I mean, if uh, if the guy went back to Saudi Arabia and was immediately arrested and executed, people go crazy, but briefly. And the whole lots of people die in the Middle East thing, I think, would rule the day. Um, but because it's a mystery, I think people are more uh, interested in it. So uh, moving along, 
This is a really an odd story out of Ohio. It has to do with homelessness and homeless camps. There's this guy in Ohio, Sage Lewis. His name is Sage. How do we feel about a man named Sage? I don't think men should be named after spices. Women, perhaps. I happen to know a, a young woman named Sage, and she's a delightful gal. I will not be introducing you to my friend Nutmeg. Hmm. What do you call him, Nut? For short? Nutty, yeah. Nutty, got it. So this guy is a, well, he's a a generous fella. Why don't we be positive about it? And he owns a fair amount of land in in the Akron, Ohio area. I have another friend who is, uh, he's got a normal name, not a, a kitchen powder, um, who whose family is from that part of Ohio, and you can get land and houses there, but cheap. I mean, not only is it not the coasts, but you know, with the collapse of a lot of giant industries and stuff in in the Rust Belt, man, if you want to buy a lot of land and a nice house cheap, go to Ohio. Anyway, uh, so this guy has a bunch of land, and he started a homeless camp on his private property. And as a guy who believes in property rights and, uh, you know, I'm of a libertarian bent, this is a really interesting story for me. Um, he wanted to start a private land, a private homeless camp to help people. Um, and he said, this has always been a private person with private money on private land helping the homeless. And he filed a lawsuit Tuesday ap- appealing Akron's refusal to exempt him from zoning rules. Because what is there? Can you get zoned for a bum camp? I don't know. Maybe some sort of capacity on tenants on a. Well, I, yeah, I know yeah, what it yeah. is. But um, so he says, I don't want anything from the government. I don't want any of that. We can take care of these people. And he says, <clears throat> in the beginning, it was loud and stinky and drunk. But as the campsite grew from a few people to a few dozen, <clears throat> conditions improved. Drinking was banned. Residents elected their own leaders. Volunteers dropped off food and clothes, and um, and he he came to saw the encampment, see the encampment rather as a model for using private land to help homeless people. But he ran into the zoning thing. Uh, what's not clear to me exactly is uh, how the externalities factor into this, and that is that's just a econ term that means stuff that like pollution. Um, you know, if I, or, or a smell, <laughs> we, God, we had, we had a great call back when we used to take calls. This dude lived in, I think it was the Sacramento area in California and his neighbor was of some ethnicity or another that would like butcher animals on their driveway. And I mean, w- would literally dismember and gut and and all fish and animals and chickens and God knows what right on the driveway, and it was pretty unpleasant. So even as a libertarian, you recognize that what I'm doing, if for instance it creates uh, creates a horrific smell, that affects my neighbor. So I can't say it's my land; I get to do what I want because you're injuring somebody. It's an externality. Um. But it's it's not clear to me whether the neighbors, because this is a pretty rural area. Um, but he says, uh, at first the camp campsite was informal and rowdy, handful of tents. 
As more tents sprung up, homeless people washed their clothes, showered, socialized in the basement of Mr. Lewis's building. Residents took turns picking up trash, conducting security patrols, and vetting newcomers, <clears throat> etc. Cetera, et cetera. So he was, he was trying to um, create a homeless utopia, but the city's saying no way. His lawyer says what Sage, who again is named after a kitchen spice, and his charity R is a low-cost alternative to building a giant traditional shelter. I think there are lots of people in the United States who have land who could set this up and run it if it didn't cost a fortune. If you can keep the externalities down, and that's the question. I don't really have any problem with this. What if it was next door to you, Joe? Yeah, well, yeah, then I wouldn't love it so much. But if there isn't crime, if there aren't needles, if there isn't noise and stink and poop... I like the whole mini-government thing there. He's having them elect their own representative to... Yeah, that's interesting. Right, right. Yeah. So the Mega Millions lottery thing everybody's talking about, they've been manipulating odds and manipulating you to get you to play in a really interesting way. We'll have Alex Horton from the Washington Post in a moment or two on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, it's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Welcome to the show. Um... I left out a critical part of that homeless camp story, and I'd had it highlighted on the final page of the article from the New York Times. The guy was running a private homeless camp in his property. Uh, he concedes there have been problems, uh, an opioid overdose, several, uh, an axe attack, criminal fugitives trying to blend in, lots of loud arguments. Akron police officers have responded to the property more than 120 times this year, sometimes more than once a day. And managers of a neighboring apartment complex for low-income seniors have complained about harassment, trespassing, and discarded needles. That settles that. Shut it down. On a completely different topic, although it is financial, Alex Horton joins us. Alex is a Washington Post reporter covering national breaking news, which has got to be exciting work. Hello, Alex. How are you? Hey, Joe. How's it going? Uh, Terrific. It's nice to talk to you. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the strange and curious economics of lottery prizes and the way people respond to them and, and how the lotteries have managed that. Uh, give us a long and short of your story. Absolutely. So um, you may have noticed that, you know, Mega Millions and Powerball has been in the news uh, pretty frequently the last few years. Uh, and that's why, uh, and the reason why is um, Mega Millions last October, they sort of changed the formula of how they operate. Um, so they made prizes, uh, the small ones anyway, more uh, common, but the jackpots even bigger. Um, and they did that by just reducing the amount of, like, the f- pick five balls, but then they added about 10 of the uh, the Mega Millions multiplier thing. Um, so that means that these jackpots grow and grow and grow and grow, and now people who don't play at all 
are suddenly jumping in when it gets to four hundred and five hundred million dollars. Which is uh, um, something we consider hilarious around here. That not only will right. people <clears throat> who wouldn't cross the street for three hundred million dollars <laughs> or a right. chance at it will will leap at six hundred. But not only that, but those people who wouldn't cross the street for three hundred million dollars once it gets to seven hundred million will get in a pool with nineteen other people for you know yeah. a fifth of the yeah anyway. Absolutely, and I think they figured out a, a formula there. Like you know, people who you know, there's a, a group of people who habitually play every drawing, but then there's some who maybe they stop at the gas station. They say, "Oh, it's up to six hundred million now. I might as well jump in." You know, why the hell not? So, um, you know, the, the lottery commissions have definitely taken advantage of that psychology to sort of harness uh, this phenomenon. So, long story short, they're dividing the pie differently now. The 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 super jackpot winner gets eighty percent of the pie, where it used to be. Uh, of all the available winnings, it used to be smaller, more evenly divided? Um, that, that's not really what's driving the, the pots. It's just um, the the odds are that much greater. I mean, before, so Mega Millions, for example, um, last last year before October, your odds of winning the jackpot were 1 in 258 million. Now it's 1 in 302 million. How'd they do that? Uh, well, just by in increasing the number of those balls that... Oh, the you know, structure the, of the game. The, yeah. the structure of the game. So you can win the smaller prizes. You can win your $2 back, um, and maybe you have a better chance slightly of getting a million dollars. But since they introduced 10 more, you know, now you have to pick from 25, used to be 15. Yeah. Um, now it's just that much harder. So these these pots grow and grow and grow, and they don't have winners. Like the last Mega Millions winner was in July. Um, so it's grown since then. Yeah, I'm going to quote from your article, if you don't mind. Officials were worried that the relatively small smaller but more frequent prizes, a paltry $100 million, for instance, would result in jackpot fatigue. And so they tweak the game, so less often, bigger amounts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you have those smaller amounts that people are hitting more frequently, um, you know, people who are otherwise skeptical and don't join in will never, never approach it. So they figure they have to make those those numbers as huge as they can go. Yeah. Um, and th- And that's really paid out. Like the last you know, since October, and this game has been out since 1996, but since last October, three of the top six have been in the last year, um, including the one on Friday, which will be, you know, about $900 million. And you also mentioned in your piece in the Washington Post, which we'll uh, have a link at armstrongandgetty.com, that the last time somebody hit the Mega Millions was in July. Yeah, um, and that's becoming more frequent. It's get, They're getting bigger. They're getting more, um, you know, there's a lot fewer chances for people to hit them. So they're just going to keep rolling over and over and over again. And the same thing happened uh, with Mega Millions as well, or yeah. with Powerball. Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny, Alex. Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of practical, uh, you know, uh, flannel shirt wearing Midwestern guys. Um, and I would love to see the lottery say, uh, we're going to give a million dollars to 600, and, or what's it at? It's 868 now or something like that. We'll call it $900 million. We're going to give a million dollars to 900 people. I mean, how exciting would that be? I think that'd be great, but nobody wants that, I guess. Yeah, that'd be a different tactic. I think it's just like that huge number. You know, once you start thinking like, well, I can be an instant like half a billionaire, you know, that's, I think that's what really draws people's attention. But yeah, that would be an interesting uh, case study, but I think it's just... The, this, the huge sheer number is, is what's driving a lot of it. Alex Horton of the Washington Post. Alex, great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You got it. All right. If I can't buy a sports team with it, I'm not getting a ticket. What's the perfect lottery amount to win? 
Take the cash. Jack thinks the uh, the every twenty year increment thing's probably good because it keeps you from doing anything too ridiculous. I anything too fun. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about that just because I I don't tend to roll that way. But you get half of it up front if you take it up front, and then half is going to disappear in taxes because the government deserves half of what you got because they um well the roads or something and schools, um. But you don't want to be internationally famous because that would turn your life into a living hell. You could retire comfortably on, depends how old you are, on a couple million dollars, two, three, four million dollars, and you would live whatever lifestyle you wanted, unless you're the Sultan of Brunei for the rest of your life. If you're, say, in your 50s, I think the perfect prize is probably about $50 million dollars. You opt to get that $25 million, you end up with $12.5 million. You can buy anything you want. Go, you know, depending where you live, go buy a $2 million house for cash. That's fine. Now you got $10.5 million. What are you going to do? Buy a couple of cars, boats, etc.? You can give away as much money as you want to charities, and you'll never have to work another moment of your life. How much does it cost to buy the companies that all my enemies work for so I can fire them? Mm, Depends on the company, certainly. Mm, certainly. So I'm going to need to do more math before I get to my number then. If vengeance is your priority... Usually. It might be happy... It, it might be a, a happy thing to win you know, a little more than that, but I think 50 might be the perfect amount. Then nobody would care. Now, you wouldn't even make your local paper, <laughs> I don't think. Marshall Phillips, uh, what uh, headlines are you working on for us? Well, we got uh, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, coming out after briefing the president to uh, tell everybody the latest on the Khashoggi investigation. The top issues for the voters heading into the midterms. We have a new survey on that. Come on, climate change. And (laughs) President Trump warns California leaders, clean up your forests or else. Interesting. Okay, good. Coming up. Excellent. I'll stay tuned for all of that and much more, including a thought starter, a topic for conversation from none other than Lord Voldemort. (laughs) Wow. Harry Potter. (laughs) Has to do with the whole disappeared Saudi guy. Oh. Oh, plus the report on uh, wrecks involving self-driving cars. They aren't what you've heard. There's a shock. The news is next. Armstrong and Getty Show. have a late night joke off for you this half hour on the legalization of pot in Canada after the hard, hard, hard news that Marshall's going to give us. I was just reading something about the Elizabeth Warren Indian heritage test, right? And how a lot of the coverage of it has been inaccurate in many different ways. And my understanding of this is about at the level where in your class you get that you don't get it and you ask your smart friend to help you understand it. I need a tutor. But the comparisons of her amount of Native American genetics and the average person and all was an apples to oranges comparison and probably not legit. And we said she has half of the average person, ah, because that was being published all over the place. Mm -hmm. It turns out that that's the wrong way to look at it because of the way genes work, the way genetics work. And I will not even attempt to explain it to you. Um, 
she clearly has a Native American ancestor from the mid-1800s, maybe back to the 1700s, 1600s, something like that. And who freaking cares is has been my point all along. And uh, Kim Tallbear, who's an associate professor at the University of Alberta, which my name is Kim Tallbear, um, said the Native Americans' own definition of legitimate Native American or tribal identity doesn't focus on long ago ancestors. It's your people. Are you? Do you live with people? Are they your community? Right. You talk to right. them. That's what it means. It's not a pennant for people to wave around because it seems cool, which so much of the, I'm this, I'm this, I'm that, the, the, the narcissism of small distinctions and the up with my ethnicity and all, it's just, it's tribalism. It's just wanting to be part of a right. team. But I just, I don't know. I find it absurd. The majority of my my people came from Ireland way long ago, and I don't even know their names. But I'm going to be waving a shamrock around and marching in the... Why? I'm an American. What's my community? It's all sorts of different people. Common ideal. We live in the landmass of North America. Just settle down. Elizabeth Warren, your ideas stink. And I don't think you're an Indian. But I don't care. Marshall Phillips, what's the news? Well, i got to tell you, the investigation's continuing. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said... Saudi leaders are clear that the U.S. does take the disappearance of the Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi very serious, very seriously. Pompeo, after briefing the president about his trip to the Middle East, told reporters this morning, This report itself will be transparent for everyone to see, to ask questions about, and to inquire with respect to its thoroughness. He said a Saudi investigation will hopefully reveal the truth relatively soon. Boy, I there told are President Trump this morning that... Um, we ought to give them a few more days to complete that so that we, too, have a complete understanding of the facts surrounding that, at which point we can make decisions about how or if the United States should respond. My apologies, Mr. Secretary, sir. What I was about to say is Saudi Arabia is absolutely got their head in a vice right now. And, and, and Donald J. Trump and Mike Pompeo are cranking the, uh, the crank. Um, and, and what they're trying to figure out is... Who's the scapegoat? Who do we say was a rogue prince or was out of line or misinterpreted orders or whatever? And who's going to get jailed for the rest of their days or executed or excommunicated or booted out of the family or have their wealth confiscated? Right now, everybody's looking around the room saying, ain't me. Don't do me. Right. And uh, But somebody's going to be the scapegoat at the end of the week. I still am curious as to the <laughs> Saudi council who suddenly flew back to Saudi Arabia right before the investigators were going to go through his home looking for clues in Istanbul. Yeah, well, I doubt he was in charge of the, the operation. Right. He knows about it. Right. All right, another news. The top concern for voters heading into the midterms. Are you ready for this? New poll just came out. Global warming. The top concern, health care. Then global warming. Healthcare. The Kaiser Family Foundation. Of course, it's decimating people's budgets. Rich people are terrified of healthcare costs. Yep. Kaiser Family Foundation poll finds seventy-one percent of voters called the issue of healthcare very important. Sixty-four percent. What coming came in next? Sixty-four percent of the voters listed jobs in the economy is very important, and in third place, sixty percent listed gun policy. So wow, those were the top three. That's interesting. I, uh, 
Wow. Yeah, you could do a, a poli sci class on that list, just those three. Because the first two are everyday yep. material effect on your life issues. The third one is is at this point more ideological trying to prevent something from happening Right. But you know, if 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 we put off the discussion for six months, here's what I'm saying, gun enthusiasts. If we put off the discussion for six months, your life would not be affected at all. Um in contrast to the other ones. And I get, yeah, there are efforts made to restrict your rights and you want to prevent those, but it's just a fundamentally different issue. Uh, do you have the rest of the list, or is that those as the deep only as it three, goes? Those are the yeah, only okay, three that's good got. enough. But there is another issue Whether involved. Elizabeth Warren is an Indian or not. Nope. While healthcare dominates attitudes, uh, our various voters' attitudes, it is President Trump who is also a top factor in voters' decisions. Two-thirds of voters say a candidate's support for or their opposition to Trump will be a factor in whom they support, depending on their political leanings. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I hope people understand that if you, if the party you prefer controls the White House and the Congress, yep. you're in much better shape. Yep. So that makes sense. President Trump, meanwhile, seemed to threaten to withhold funding to fight wildfires in California if the state doesn't clean up the state's forests. Trump was saying during a cabinet meeting at the White House yesterday after the agriculture secretary told him about the Forest Service's ongoing efforts to prevent forest fires. Trump had this warning for California. I say to the governor or whoever's going to be the governor of California, you better get your act together because California, we're just not going to continue to pay the kind of money that we're paying. I completely get that. Absolutely. Why why are we soaking the people of, say, Maryland for disaster relief if our management of the situation has been terrible in California? You know, it's certainly an an ongoing discussion. If your town gets wiped out by a hurricane every six years, Mm -hmm. uh, why are taxpayers being asked to reconstruct that, too? Legitimate question. Turns out, these days, nearly half the babies born in the U.S. are born out of wedlock. Wow. That is according to a new United (laughs) Nations report whose authors say it reflects cultural and economic shifts that evolved over the past half century. The report says 40% of U.S. births now happen outside of marriage, which is up from just 10% in 1970. 10% in 1970, 40% now. And virtually every measure of human satisfaction and achievement is hurt um, in uh, out of wedlock births and kids. Which is not to say there aren't heroic efforts being made and terrific kids being raised by single parents, because there are, there absolutely are. But just if you take a look at the massive data, it's just beyond question that kids are much better off in a stable relationship. Now here's the deal, here's the deal. The report, What's the deal, Marshall? The report finds there are plenty of daddies still involved. The vast majority of out-of-wedlock births, both here and in Europe, are to unmarried couples who are living together rather than to single mothers. Hmm. So you've got people who are living together having kids, and they're having kids earlier without getting married. Fair enough. All it's right. a different situation. Uh, I, different don't people of, will... I don't need a piece of paper from the government to get in the way of my love of you, babe. Is probably what they're saying. Probably so, yes. Wasn't nothing strange about your daddy. Right. That's, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. That was wildly inappropriate and perfectly appropriate.
Well done. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you. <laughs> Late night joke off. Stone Canadians coming up in a moment or two, plus why Twitter didn't punish Louis, Fer- Louis Farrakhan for comparing Jewish people to termites. Next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. How are you? Thank you for tuning in. Jack is ill. I suspect he will be back tomorrow. He's got some sort of stomach bug working his working its way through the house. Twitter says they will not take punitive action against controversial, I'd say he's controversial, Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan for an anti-Semitic sweet, uh, tweet. rather. Um, he, he rambles on, well, to members of the Jewish community that don't like me, thank you very much for putting my name all over the planet because of your fear of what we represent, etc. They've heard of Farrakhan. Thank you very much. I'm not mad at you because you're so stupid. He added later, so when they talk about Farrakhan, call me a hater. You know they do. Call me an anti-Semite. Stop it. I'm anti-termite. I don't know nothing about hating somebody because of their religious preference. <clears throat> and uh, he, uh, he is not being sanctioned or kicked off Twitter. BuzzFeed reached out to Twitter for comment. Um, the policy on dehumanizing language has not yet been implemented. So if you want to compare, this is from BuzzFeed now. So if you want to compare Jews to rats or insects, get it in while you can. Twitter did not immediately return the Washington Examiner's request for a comment. Farrakhan lost his blue check verification badge over the summer. We need to do that. <clears throat> we need to get a blue check. It was just, it was a pain. Uh, after he posted a clip of a sermon in which he spoke about the satanic Jew in the synagogue of Satan. So hate speech is okay, but just from some people. On a lighter note, time for a late night joke off. The format, we will listen to three comedians' efforts, late night comedians. I, Joe Getty, will grade each one, and the bottom grade getter will be banned from comedy for life for being unfunny. What is our topic this morning, Positive Sean? It is the uh, nationwide legalization of marijuana in Canada, the uh, second country in the world to do so. All right, let's kick the Canucks. Go ahead. As of today, Canada has now fully legalized recreational marijuana throughout the entire country. Canada's like the cool neighbor who lives above you in the apartment building. Oh, man, they're smoking weed up there again. What are they talking about? Free health care? They're so cool. Canada has officially legalized recreational pods. People are going to be high. They're going to be high today. So now, before hockey games, the Canadian national anthem will go, Oh, cannabis, I'm staring at my hand. Wow, congratulations, Canada. This is great news for your economy, but it's also great news for all Canadians because now Seth Rogen can uh, finally try weed. This is fantastic. (sighs) 
Seth Rogen can finally try weed. Is that a reference to something I don't understand? Seth Rogen's just a very noted out and proud stoner. So yeah. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, he's Canadian. So now, yeah, it's a. If, Given the Ugh. subject matter, I was expecting a lot better jokes. Wow. It seems like an easy the degree of oh. difficulty on this on this topic was not a a top a tough one. I gave out three C minuses, and that was generous. Corden and Noah each directed uh, or uh, penalized a full grade for being a foreigner and taking American jobs. So, uh, wow, that just sucked. I think that's the that's, l- that's the bottom line. That's the lowest ever winning grade for the joke off as a C minus. Yeah, well, that says something, yeah. doesn't it? So this is, I think, a really good idea. I'm not a fan at all of the monopoly on education by the government. I think it's a terrible idea. It obviously stifles innovation. It spreads mediocrity. It keeps people in terrible schools. School choices, it ought to be a human right. Anyway, um, Texas has an interesting thing that they're mandating, though. There have been a number of shootings, police shootings of unarmed citizens that have Gotten people all uh, angry and whipped up, and and then b- b- the shooting of police officers that was at least partially justified by the you know the aforementioned police shootings. Um, so things are a little tense in Texas in terms of you know the cops' relationship with citizens and, and and you know deadly force in particular. So the state legislature brought brought together civil rights groups and law enforcement organizations to develop what they call the Community Safety Education Act, which was signed into law last year. The bill requires that any student entering ninth grade, uh, beginning now, um, to participate in a class and watch a video instruction on how to interact properly with officers during traffic stops. You have to have that box checked to, to graduate and get your diploma. State Senator Royce West, who's a Democrat, keep in mind the Texas legislature just meets for, what, a few weeks, a year, something like that? It's not a full-time job. Because they believe the government governs best, which governs least. TJ believed that, too. State Senator Royce West led the charge, also requiring instruction for law enforcement officers and those joining the force, as well as students in driver training and defensive driving courses. I wanted to put something in place that would temper the expectations of police officers and citizens. He says, I love this because it's people coming together and not screeching at each other in demonstrations, but saying, all right, there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of power to what you're saying. Let's absolutely recognize it. A lot of truth, a lot of power to what you're saying. We've got a problem. Let's see if we can solve it. Um, and I haven't seen the video, but it was, uh, well, it was produced by, it doesn't matter who it was produced by, but it's trying to give the high school students, new drivers, and the coppers a neutral understanding of each other's points of view and responsibilities. 16-minute video uses reenactments about the correct way to behave during a traffic stop and the wrong way to communicate with officers. Uh, you know, keep your hands visible. Don't move around or reach for anything. Let the officer know you're reaching into the console. Also lets them know, should I get out of the car? Do I need to get out of the car? Can I say no if the officer asks to search me or my car? What if I didn't do anything wrong? Um, that sort of thing. Um, it, it, there hasn't been a lot of pushback in Texas that I think is interesting. Um there are some whinings about it, but I don't find them very, uh, very credible. 
I think this is an excellent idea. I mean, it's never going to be perfect. Some called it a one-sided practice. It's too soft on the cops' responsibility. Well, all right. You know, there isn't a single thing you could do or say that somebody's not mad about somewhere, no matter how good it is. Nice idea, though. I think a lot of states ought to consider this. Your thoughts? Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, or you can text us, 415-295-KFTC. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.